What would change if your organization was full of people who are both highly competent and ready to learn and to grow, to perform and to engage? What would change if your organization was full of people who are like that? I'm Dr. Rob McKenna and welcome to the Wild Conversation where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. And um, today we're kicking off a new series on building whole leader continuity and specifically talent equals readiness. Talent equals readiness. And I'm fired up people because this topic I believe could transform how we think about every human being around us, whether it's our employees, our managers, our bosses, our parents, our children, you name it. I think it could change how we see things. And I would say this, that this is, this is a, a focus on readiness or high, what we describe as high readies, as opposed to talent or high potentials or just ability. <clears throat> that if we did that, it would have both short and long-term gains for all of us. Um, and I would say this, that, that hiring for competence alone is a dangerous and seductive proposal. That hiring for competence alone is, is a dangerous and seductive proposal. And I can prove it, I think. <laughs> All right. I think I can prove it. So here's a couple of things to think about. Um, and know this, that I, I'm hopefully speaking, not, not blaming anyone, either organizations or their employees, but like, what is the role we all have in this conversation? But, but let, me, let me take this from an organizational perspective. For those of you who have done hiring in the past, how much does one bad hire cost you? How much does one bad hire cost you? Um, not hiring one bad person. That's not what I mean. Okay. I want to be careful about that. But hiring one person who is highly competent, but isn't ready to serve in your organization or to start learning. You hear what I just said? Highly competent, but not ready to serve. How much time? How much money? How much emotional energy? Uh, what is the impact on teams of one person who at this point, and maybe for a variety of reasons, is difficult to work with. Again, I'm not blaming that person, but for a variety of reasons that we'll get into, it might be difficult to work with. What if that person is us? <laughs> That's another way to think about that too, right? There's that possibility. What happens to performance when you have that one person who thinks it's all about them? Who isn't interested in changing or learning or serving? It's interesting because you think about this and this is, I'm just speaking from you know, years of experience of trying to help organizations and myself along this, but I'm just saying like four or five of these hires and we are out of business. I'm just getting real, right? We can do this here. Performance suffers, morale suffers, future hiring suffers, managers manage to symptoms and not to progress and burn out. The best talent leaves. Like these are the, this is the reality, right? When we have, we make these kinds of decisions. I would even go so far as to say that our labor shortage, I'm not, I'm not minimizing this. Don't hear me at all. Cause I know some of you are thinking and you're experiencing this in real time, but that our labor shortage um, has nothing on our hiring mistakes. Kind of interesting to think about, right? The allure of success and performance is a seduction. Few of us can reject without intentional thought and movement forward. It's just, and I'm telling you, maybe, maybe most of you listening don't, don't, you're like better at this, but I'm telling you a lot of people, 
in my sphere are very much, if they get honest, allured by that, that concept of just competence alone is what matters. So this last week, I posted something called the top 10 interview questions we should be asking. And I, I did that. And I was like, when I, when I clicked post, should I post this? Uh, because I knew we would, I would catch a little bit of heat for this. But, um, and I wasn't saying, so we don't, at Wild Leaders, we're not, we're not in the business of selection. We know people who are, we know enough to be very, very dangerous in that space, but we know that there's some interesting things to think about in terms of what selection looks like. But let me get past that and just say, here were some of the questions. What character virtue, imagine asking these questions, or if you were asked these questions in an interview, what character virtue in you is a strength, and if overdone, becomes problematic for others? Are you in a season of changing yourself or accepting yourself? And the follow-up to that is given that reality, how is that likely to impact your coworkers here if you are offered a job? <laughs> um, number three, knowing yourself and past jobs, what resources and support will you need to be successful? I think it's so ridiculous that we don't ask people this question. I think it's so ridiculous. But the reality is many of us don't know. But if we knew like how powerful that could be, because there are real things that we need to be successful. And I'm telling you, I know some of the things that I have to have. Number four, what causes you to be reluctant to take this job if it's offered to you? And I would say if someone says there's nothing, they either aren't saying <laughs> or you haven't told them the real story yet. Everyone, should, especially in leadership roles, like everybody should be asked, what causes you to be reluctant to take this job? There should be something, right? Uh, number five, what, what will others have to tolerate well to work with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just getting real, right? Um, number six, are you self-aware? And then I wrote, how do you know? I mean, it's just interesting, right? Uh, what mood do you create when you enter a room? <laughs> That's one that my sister gave me this last week. What do you like at your worst? What's the unique contribution you bring to any team? What is one thing you like to be better at under pressure? If you were more of that thing, how would that impact other people around you on your team? Here's some bonus wild questions. <laughs> so those are the 10. Here's some bonus, three more. Would you rather be happy or whole? Can you imagine being asked that in an interview? Would you rather be happy or whole? Uh, what important details on your agenda are part of your bigger purpose? And the last one is, are you willing to learn and grow for the sake of others? Explain. Um, if there is one, now I want to, I want to share with you one of the reasons I, I put those questions out there. If there's one common factor in these questions, these are questions of readiness. These are questions of readiness and readiness is not just talent or competence or potential. Readiness is the extent to which a person is prepared to learn, to change, to serve, to perform, to adapt, to engage, to repurpose, to help, to contribute, to become aware and to grow. Like it's, it's something it, that's what readiness is about. We published an article called the whole performance equation um, that you can take a look at that. I, I hope you'll read when you get a chance. And one of the things that we said in there is this, our purpose is bigger than simply getting the job done. Our purpose and our roles is simply is big, is bigger than simply getting the job done. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're working in a nonprofit, this is, we just don't always think about that. There's a lot of pressure on performance. And I understand that too. The secret sauce to awesome. So here's McKenna's Friday wild conversation, secret sauce to awesome. <laughs> Try to publish that in some academic journal. Um, to that team you've always wanted to work with or lead and to that organization that is thriving and serving and sacrificing is a unique, this is, I would say the secret sauce, is a unique combination of readiness and competence. And it's interesting because Ken Blanchard did a bunch of work on this in a model that um, he and another, another person published way back. 
on what was called situational leadership. And it was a theory. And it's one of the things that was very close to this. And the fundamental theory was this, that, that readiness is some combination of what they called motivation and ability. You know what I mean? So do, does a, so it was mostly from a management perspective. And the manager's job was to know and think of that like a two by two, that, that every person some, falls somewhere along that, that spectrum of some readiness and some ability. So I've got to be able, able to do the job and I have to be motivated to do the job. And in most cases, their, their underlying model was most people are not both things. But if you are some combination of those things, they would, get, they would tell the manager how to show up. And that's, I think that's brilliant thinking. The difference with what I'm talking about today is this, that readiness isn't just about motivation, but about a willingness to learn. It's what we describe as developmental readiness. We are looking for people who are ready, ready to learn, ready to grow, ready to change, ready to adapt, ready to be called to something bigger than themselves. We aren't looking for, for a simply competence and skill. But our fundamental problem is that like-minded people are attracted to like-minded organizations. So if we haven't taken the dive into become more developmentally ready as leaders and as current organizational members, we will attract the same. You hear what I'm saying? We will attract the same. And in that rare case, when we attract someone developmentally ready to serve, they will sooner or later hit the rigid wall of our own lack of readiness and getting ready is all of our job. I recently sent an email to three co-owners of a business where I asked them to answer this question before I considered working with them. Some of you will be like, this is why I'm never working with you, McKenna. So, so this is what I asked them. And I said, I'll consider this possibility of working with you and with your, the leaders in your organization if you'll answer this one question. Each of you answer it, send it to me separately. What do you need to change about yourself in order for the business to succeed? And then I said, are you willing to make that change? That was the second part of the question. So um, that's the question I asked him. I have worked with CEOs long enough and managers long enough and every people in organizations long enough to know that if they won't accept this invite yet, if they won't accept it yet, do you hear what I said? Yet. Because the time will come when they probably will. There isn't much I can do yet. Um, we have an epidemic of a broken mindset regarding readiness. We all put people in boxes and I'm inviting you into the possibility that people can change and that we could change, but we have to be in that moment where we wake up, where we stop blaming, realizing that it's not about us and that there is wholeness on the other side of this brokenness that we're all experiencing. And it's interesting, you all, that I'm going to, so those of you who don't, don't work in large cor corporate contexts, there's a thing in those spaces called high potentials. And in, in a lot of that, if you listen to the talk in many corporate contexts for the last couple of decades regarding high potentials, it sounds like this, and I've quite literally heard this said, that 10% that of the people in your organization are your high potentials. Every time I have heard this, quite frankly, I think to myself, hmm, am I in the 10% or the 90% and what are the odds? I've always thought to myself, like, I'm pretty much in the 90%. Like, it, it writes off. It says that people are your high potentials. They're your talent or they're not. Let's focus our attention on those folks. Um, I heard someone else say that was trying to take this one step into something a little bit more progressive and said, instead of thinking about 10% of our people are our talent and our high potential kinds of people or leaders, let's think about that as maybe it's 35% of the people, but let's focus our attention on the bottom 10% of the top 35% because the other 25% are good. They're already developed. 
So let's focus all of our resources and money on the bottom. You get it? The bottom 10% of the top 35%. But the thing I don't like about that is it still assumes that that top 35% are our our good people. (laughs) And I want to invite you to this because this is what we have seen as a part of our work on whole and intentional leader development, that, that instead of seeing people as talented or not, as potential or not, to see them as ready or not. And if some of you have lived long enough, as, as, as I have, you have lived long enough to see even the most difficult people change when they are invited differently to the conversation. That people could become ready. Um, and so I just, that's something I want to throw out there. So the, the idea of this is that so many of the organizations that we work with and are using our whole and intentional leader development process, which is a a revolutionary approach for many organizations to think about what it means to make that kind of systematic, intentional investment in their people so that we wouldn't be looking at people, but we would be looking with them. But that that whole process is an invitation to readiness that so many have never received. So many people have never received. To become a culture of stretch and support, to become cultures where people serve each other, where competence is expected, but mistakes aren't aren't the problem. But poor, poor performance is an exception that is owned and moved past. So we still make mistakes, but it doesn't become the norm. That where people are willing to learn and to grow, where true and deep talent is, is what's happening. And, but, but it has to start with us. It's this, can you imagine that? It's what I want for every one of your organizations. It would become these places where people are telling the story. Let me tell you about this weird company I work for. Where they will invest in you out of the gate. If you don't want that, if you don't want to stretch, then go work somewhere else. But this is an awesome place that where that kind of invitation is, is invited. And so a couple of things that I just wanted to mention is this, is that I have five things that are about this concept of readiness. And when I, that talent is something that's more, it's both readiness, that invitation to learn and to grow and that willingness to be there. It's the willingness, but also the invitation to people that have no, maybe don't seem willing yet because they've never been invited. Um, but it also includes our competence. I don't want to minimize competence because it's a part of that equation of what true and deeper talent is about. But the first one is this. Number one is mindset. I'm inviting us to the possibility that we, that, that we change how we see people and we see ourselves, that we see people through a developmental lens as, a, as in a season of readiness or not, and that we might invite people more into readiness maybe they've never experienced before. Number two is that selection matters. This is why those questions I threw out there is that I'm not saying selecting for good or bad, but I think one of the fundamental things that we miss is ready or not. If you want to build this kind of space is that we would be upfront about asking people to come in to an organization where we are going to, we're going to, we're going to learn together. We're going to be, we're going to learn together. If you don't want that, then, then find someplace else. Number three, psychological contracting is so important to me as the wild team knows contract for it early and always until it becomes the norm. You know, that people would, would know that this is what this is going to be about. Like my note to those leaders that I just read you, those weird questions, like tell me about what yourself, you know, what you need to change was, was contracting because I want them to know if you're going to be around me, like that's what we're going to do. Culture, number four, create a, a developmental culture now. And it has to, one of the things that, that we always talk about, and Daniel says so often to the leaders we work with is like, we expect the most senior leaders to be engaged in the process. The, one of the ways to build culture is that when the most senior leader says, let me tell you what this is teaching me, everybody thinks, oh, maybe I could learn too. 
And, and number five is this, that it's, it is questions, mindset, selection, psychological contracting, culture, and questions invite readiness. And that, that 30% of those readies will turn into 80 and 90% invite them and, and have the courage to continue to invite them. We had a guy named Bill Anderson, who's going to be a guest coming up. You all, I don't think Bill's here is around right now. Bill Anderson and Bill is Scottish, so if you can get past the awesomeness, uh, uh, when you do hear him, the awesomeness of his accent alone, which is unbelievable. I just want him to talk all day long because it's so mesmerizing. He had so much to teach me about the work we do at Wild Leaders, and he's been through our process, and he is 78 years old. And this is what he said. He's 78 years old. He told, he told us this last week. He said, no one ever invited me to dream. He said, these are the things that he got from us. And he's teaching us as he's like saying what we taught him. It was like, he said, leaders need to be trained. I didn't understand that. He said, I, one of the things that you introduced me to is he said, I didn't understand that I need to know where I am, where I want to go. And then I can begin to understand how to get there. He had never been invited to take an audit of where he is where he wants to go. And this is a man who is a board chair of a global nonprofit. So I'm not talking, this is a 78 year old guy and it was just an amazing moment. And, and you will get a chance to hear from him soon. So how do we begin to, to the first step is where we are. And I got to tell you, so the wild profile is the first tool in the wild toolkit. I'm just going to give you a little sampling of something that's in there. I want to invite you to five questions in what's there's one, there's one audit, this little assessment, this little index called the developmental readiness index that is inside. There's 14 questions. And I want to just ask you five of them right now that is right up front. Like as soon as people use the wild token, they're like, okay, this is what this is going to be about. And it's, it's a, it's an index of their readiness. It's not whether they failed the test or not. It's an index of where they are. And it's, it's about auditing and assessing your readiness but it's also about inviting you to the possibility that you could be more ready and listen to these questions. I actually, I'm going to read you six of them. Number one, to what extent are you applying the lessons from your past to current opportunities and challenges? Like on a scale from one to 10. And if you score yourself a two, that is not, does not mean you, what I want you to hear that is an invitation to the other eight points. Do you hear me? Like, what if I did? To what extent are you becoming a better version of yourself for the sake of others around you? To what extent do you know what you're good at doing and what you cannot help but do well? To what extent do you know what excites you and motivates you to learn? To what extent are, you, are your goals and daily activities purposeful? I know I'm going through these fast, but we'll get these to you. To what extent are you serving others around you who are in need of something that you are in a position to provide? And I just, I, I hope that you hear those things, those questions as invitations. Do you hear what I'm saying? That the mindset shift is to not hear them as an evaluation of this person, but to say like, oh, there's five more points on the scale available to me, but I've never been opened up this conversation because to Bill's point, it was that invitation to say, where am I on this? Where do I want to go on this? And how do I get there? So what I would suggest, we get into this, it's just, as we keep talking, let's build a more robust definition of talent that is the real story. That competence and readiness are what deeply root talent. And that, that, that's what this is all about.
Thank you for listening to this Wild Conversation. To join our live Wild Conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.